Uh, let's just pray over uh, uh, the next many moments as I reflect on our past week. We're not going to have a full sermon this week, uh, but just want to reflect on, on this last week as a church. Let's pray. Lord, you are, you are so good even when life is not good, when we are grieving and heavy laden with all kinds of sorrow, you still show us your goodness. We thank you for the hope of the gospel. We thank you for your church that you have put us in and surrounded us with. We thank you for the love of Christ that never stops. Lord, I pray for this church, this local body. I first of all thank you for it. I pray that you would continue to strengthen us and sustain us, that we may be a light in the world, not for our glory, but for your glory. I pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. One of the things this week that impressed me was how much doctrine matters. Uh, sometimes it can seem maybe a little bit academic as we're going through the Bible and we're, we're learning about things that maybe don't have direct application right away. But I just want to go through, this is not a full list of the doctrine that mattered this week. I want to give you some of the doctrines that, that really did matter, that really did change our grief as a church, it changed the grief of the Gainic family. That didn't take it away, but changed it. Uh, first of all, the sovereignty of God. That God is God. God. God is who he is, and he always has been, and he always will be, and he knows the end from the beginning. From before the foundation of the world, God knew it all. Uh, he knew exactly the number of B's days. He knew exactly what he was asking the Gainics to do uh, when he called them to adopt her. He knew exactly the church that he would put them in that would rise to the occasion when those days came to an end. God is sovereign. And, and without a sovereign God, I think we would just fall apart. What do you do when you, when you come to a moment of crisis? If God doesn't even know what's going to happen, if God's not in control, if God's not all-powerful, then what do we do? But so many times this week, I, I, we reflected on the sovereignty of God. God knows. God knows. And, and related to this is the doctrine of election. This is true for, for B. There's much evidence to show that she was one of God's elect. God's love was upon her. Um, but then for us as a church, as we were going out and, and we had to bear witness to the hope that we had in Christ, uh, as we met with people and they knew what we were going through and we were sharing the gospel, whether it was at the kids' service or, or the, the other service, we had to trust in the doctrine of election, that the gospel would be foolishness to those who, who are perishing, but to the elect, Maybe those who had not yet been called, who had not yet uh, seen the truth, but they were nevertheless elect from before the foundation of the world, that, that 
through what we did together as a church, the proclamation of the word, the example of the Gainic family and B's life and the example that we had as a church, that the elect would see it and be drawn to it. Uh, Jesus said that um, they will know that you are my disciples by the way that you love one another. Uh, and so it's amazing how uh, the love of a brother for a brother and a sister for a sister uh, combined with the doctrine of election in the context of tragedy and evangelism proclaims the gospel. Because no one could deny that we are the disciples of Christ. Not this week. They saw our love. Then there's the doctrine of uh, atonement, substitutionary atonement, that Jesus died for us, that he died for our sins, that when we apply his blood to our life, that that. Though we die, we don't die. Substitutionary atonement, that doctrine really mattered this week. And directly related to that, doctrines of grace in all their fullness, but let's just focus in on grace. Grace. God, who is God? How could God let such things happen? Well, we could go down that road or we could go down this road which says, well, God is love and God is kind and God is merciful and God is full of grace. And God lavishes his grace upon his children. Not because we deserve it, not because any one of us is good enough, but because that's who God is. He's God of grace. Doctrine of heaven. What would we do without the doctrine of heaven? What if death really was the end? Doctrine of heaven really mattered today. And not in some shallow, postmodern, oh yeah, 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 up in heaven doing something great. But in a real deep conviction that there is a greater reality than the one in which we're living. There's a place of greater substance. There, there's a place where God lives. There's a place where his throne is. There's a place from which God reigns. And in that place, there is heavenly worship. There are the living creatures around the throne, and there are myriads of angels, and there are the saints. The saints who have passed on, and there's be. The doctrine of heaven really, really matters, not just to make us feel better, but because it's true. And pushing into heaven and past heaven, the doctrine of the resurrection really mattered this week. And, and everything about the resurrection, uh, the first part is that the, they who die will be raised back bodily from the grave. That's one part of it. But then the other part is that what we, what we sow or plant in weakness will be raised in glory. And especially with someone like B, but for all of us, you just think about the promise of glory. I, I could use a little glory in this body. Maybe you could too. I can't wait to have a little bit more glory in this body to be raised imperishable, immortal. To be like Christ. Not to become God, but to become like Christ in every way. Brothers, sisters. 
the return of Christ, tied to all of this, when is this all going to happen? It's going to happen when Jesus comes back. Why? Why doesn't Jesus just go to heaven and stay there? Well, we believe in the, in the return of Christ because if you go all the way back to Genesis, God made the world and he made all of us in it and he said, it is good. It is very good. So we ruined it. We, we wrecked it with our sin. But do you think God is going to just let us wreck that which he made to be good, very good? No, Jesus is coming back to take back what is God's. And those who belong to Christ come with him. And it's at that moment that we're raised from the dead in glory. These doctrines really matter. It's not just academic. It's pastoral. It matters. And just as an aside, I have a deep conviction. I've had this for several years, but especially in this last year, As I finished up my dissertation, which was looking to the end of things with the return of Christ from Isaiah, and as I went through a funeral with a brother I dearly loved, one of our deacons in Woodstock, Ed, and then here just three months and go through a similar experience with this church, I have a deep conviction that if we want to be a bright light as Christ's church in Canada, we need to declare more boldly, not just, not just, I'm, I'm not against this, but not only, we don't stop here just talking about forgiveness for sins. That's an important thing to talk about. Fellowship with God, that's a good thing to talk about. But we need to be pushing forward in our doctrine and in our witness to talk about a God who has conquered death, a God who will raise us back to life, a God who dwells in a place called heaven, a God who will return to take back what is his. And if, if we would, as the church of Christ, go out there and proclaim the future hope that we have, not just what God, Christ has accomplished for us already on the cross, but I believe I preached this actually when I candidated here back in, uh, when was that, September. We look back to the cross in order to look forward to the eternal promises of God. See, it's at the cross that Jesus secured those things for us. But he has yet to return and to make them real in the fullest sense. That's why in in Romans 8 it talks about we're still waiting uh, for our adoption, the redemption of our bodies. This all happens at the end. So as a church, we need to be pushing forward into the future hope that we have. But... Uh, I just share all of this because I wanted to sh- show you, which I'm sure you already know, that doctrine is not academic, it matters, and, and it's pastoral. And, and it, it changed the way in which we were able to experience this week with all the grief and sadness. The last doctrine that I want to talk about, and this one will spend maybe... 10 or 15 minutes on, is ecclesiology. Ecclesiology. What is ecclesiology? Ecclesia, it's a Greek word, means the church. The ecclesia really means the called out ones. We translate called out ones as church. So whenever you say church in English, 
what you're saying is the ones that God has called out of the world, we're still in the world, but we're not of the world. We're ecclesia. I want to talk to you about the church. This was a doctrine that really mattered this week. You know, so often as preachers, God calls us to, and it's, it's a good call, but it can be heavy, and it can be burdensome sometimes, because so often preachers are called to exhort and rebuke. It's, it's heavy. It's not fun, but it's what God calls us to do as preachers, to hold up the Word of God, and oftentimes to point out where we could grow, where we could repent, where we could better seek after the face of God in order to do the things that he would call us to do. And I'm so overjoyed. I don't even have the words to say how thankful I am that that's not what I'm doing today. Today, I, I have the wonderful, awesome task of commending Christ's church, to commend you. Well done, This week, and more than this week, well done, church. You have put, you have incarnated, you've put flesh to the doctrine of ecclesia, the doctrine of the church. What does it mean to be the church? I mean, the Bible is filled with exhortations to the church on how we're supposed to behave, on what we're supposed to do, and how it's supposed to operate. Uh, the unity and diversity working in harmony so that we can build each other up in love. And when every part is working properly, we mature and we glorify God. And that's what I saw this week. And... Do you know what it's like to be a pastor of a church where the church is working properly, each member in its place? And, and I, I want to be careful of superlatives. Sometimes I can fall victim to them where you say, that was the best ever. I say that about Shelley Hansen's food quite a lot. And I think it often is. But I don't know that I have ever seen what I saw this last week. It, to me, it was, um, it was something I had envisioned in theory. But to see it in fact, it was beautiful. Just so beautiful. What was great about it among other things, was there was an inner core. The, the people that were right around the Gainic family doing those very necessary, very face-to-face things. And then you had a whole orbit of people around that inner core supporting the inner core. And then you had another orbit around, around the, the supporting members, supporting the supporting members. And I saw this in so many ways. Um, where, for example, okay, if Angie and I were with Mark and Terry and we needed Selah to be somewhere, and so someone would take care of Selah, and then somebody would bring food to the family that was looking after Selah. That's just one example. Now, we have many different spiritual gifts in, in the church. Duncan has a particular gift. His gift is YouTube. 
he sends me all kinds of videos, and they're always uh, weirdly niche and appropriate. <laughs> Where you wonder, how, how does he find these things? I don't know. But, but Duncan and I were talking about what I just described, the core and then the supporting orbit and then the, the, the second tier supporting orbit and how all of that fit. And so I think it was yesterday, I get this email from Duncan. He says, I think this is kind of what we were talking about. So I want to show you the video. Uh, it's totally off the wall, but a really great illustration of, I think, how South Shore Bible Church worked this week. So it's just two or three minutes long, and then I, I have a few more words to say. I mean, did you see it, right? You, saw, you had that center where it grew up, and it, it, it created this pressure down. And you needed those people at the bottom holding it up. But they wouldn't be enough. You needed people holding them up, and it, it went all the way out. And at times, the, ca the, the castle would fall, and everyone had to then dig in at that moment even more. And, and one of the things that he mentioned was um, how exhausting it was. When you have weeks like we have had, it, it is exhausting. And, and we can't keep up that pace all the time. But... What is amazing is just as if you're building one of those castles, uh, you have to keep going in the moment until it's finished. I saw that. I saw that. I want to uh, read for you Romans 12. One last reflection, though, on what uh, was said there. Why, do I, why am I a castellieri? Or I don't know what the word was. He says, I don't really know. <laughs> That's probably, probably true, right? Why are you doing this? I don't know. Uh, but he said there was something when you're, when you're doing it, the, the exhilaration, the, the sense of belonging, the sense of accomplishment, the sense of togetherness, teamwork makes it all worthwhile. Some days you may wonder why you're in a church. I've had those days. But on weeks like we just had, you just know why you are. You just know. This is, there's no place that I would rather be than in this church. I hope the tr same is true for you. Let me just read to you from Romans 12. Romans 1 to 11 is all of the doctrine that matters, right? The doctrines I started with and more. After he, Paul goes through three, I mean, sorry, uh, 11 chapters of doctrine... He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. In other words, he says, in, spite, in light of all of the doctrine, in light of everything that God has done and will do for you, I want you to live a life of sacrifice. That will be your worship to God for all that he's done. Everything that God has done to you, how do you pay him back? Well, you can't, but you can worship him. How do you worship him? You live a life of sacrifice. Now, look at the very first thing that he says. What does a life of sacrifice look like? It looks like being a part of a church. It's a life of sacrifice to be in a church. Verse 3, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you. He's just, he's just uh, speaking to a church. 
He expects that we'd be gathered in a church in order to live lives of sacrifice. I, I say to you in the church, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who, uh, who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. You know, I think we saw all of that this week. He goes on and he says what it would be like in verse 15. He says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Ange helped me to collate some of the things that happened. We're not going to give any particular thanks to any individual member. I think it's a good exercise to serve without recognition. Uh, and I, I can't guarantee you that the thing that you did is on this list that I'm going to say today, but God knows. I don't even know everything that was done, uh, but God does. So I'm, I'm not going to name any names. God knows who you are, and I may miss some of the things that were done, but God knows. In the, gifted, the gifts of shepherding, teaching, and evangelism, some of the, the leadership aspects of the body, uh, the doctrines of the sovereignty of God and heaven and bodily resurrection came through loud and clear in this church and to all who were listening. We had a kid's worship time, which required many volunteers. There were actions and songs and drawings, and the kids wrestled with death and heaven and God and resurrection. Uh, there were people who spent time with children to cry with them, to listen to them, to process their hard questions. Uh, leadership and administration gifts were seen. Organized details and teams that were mobilized to do different things. Uh, finances, this, this cost a lot of money, and somebody had to look after all of the finances. Uh, there was unbelievable generosity in giving. There was planned meal schedules and the execution and delivery of meals, not just to the Gainics and to us, but to everyone. Uh, the gifts of faith and wisdom and knowledge. Uh, there were words of scripture being texted and emailed and uh, telephoned and opened up in person. Encouragements were given, cards and gifts. There were prayers offered up for the family and for the friends. Giving, it's a spiritual gift to give. Giving of time, giving of money, giving of gas and food and lip gloss. Uh, there was financial support, as I said. Uh, there was a GoFundMe account that raised over... $10,000 in two days for a splash pad. Hospitality. Many, 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 many of you practice hospitality in many ways. Homes were opened. Uh, homes for children. Homes for uh, grieving family. 
Homes were open for friends. There were acts of service, too many to count, but let me give you some. Hundreds of bumblebee shakers so that the children could worship at a very unique children's funeral service. Cotton candy machine just appeared. I know it didn't just appear. Someone had to do that. Uh, hundreds of tags for bags of cotton candy to explain uh, the significance uh, flowers and decorations on the stage and throughout the church and at the funeral home. Um, there was a breathtaking obituary written. There was coordination required for all of the different venues that were, were used. Audiovisual teams, a beautiful reception for hundreds of people. Food, the, the food and thinking that was required for that. Delivered meals and treats, house cleaning, uh, steam cleaning carpets that had been soiled, detailing a van, doing laundry, uh, pressing shirts, tying ties. All the documentation required for urgent passport renewal. Hundreds of pictures taken off of phones and hard drives and Facebook and Instagram and all these different places, printed, mounted on colored paper onto boards, put up at the funeral home, transferred over to the church. A creative guest book was, was made. Uh, someone came in and organized and cleaned our kitchen. It has never been more organized and probably never will be again. The hugging and the listening, artwork for children so that they could process what they're going through, uh, play dates, driving kids around, and countless other things. It's not a full list. Thousands of hours of labor given in one week by this church. Personally, I want to thank you. Um, as you know, we're very close to Mark and Terry Ann, Rachel, Ruth, and B. And so we had the great honor of being able to uh, have them in our home this week. And so you provided for us as a grieving family. I, I don't even have the words to thank you. But from Angie and me, I want to thank you. Uh, you made it a, a joyful week for us. I love this church. I'm so glad to be among you, one of you. Well done. I know Christ is pleased. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for South Shore Bible Church. I know that you're pleased. I pray that you would continue to build us up as one body in Christ, made of many members with different gifts. And may we always remember that that which unites us is so much greater than anything that would threaten to divide us. We praise you, Lord Jesus, that all of this is only possible because of what you have done and the active work of your Holy Spirit among us. In your name we pray. Amen.